powerful worship, right? Yeah. My goodness. Holy, there's none like you. There's no one like you. There's none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. I will build my life of love on your firm foundation. Yeah. I will put my trust and not be shaken. That is amazing words. I don't think I have to preach tonight. That was it. <laughs> so I've been asked questions today. I like when people are curious. One of the questions is this. Do you drive? Do I drive? How many of you say I drive? How many of you say I do not drive? I drive. Stay off the roads and you will be just fine. I drive with a special adaptation to my vehicle. I can drive any vehicle, any vehicle. It has to be automatic. Can you imagine me with the stick shift? Woo! It has to be automatic, and it has to have a left foot accelerator, which means this. So I drive a Jeep Renegade. I love that thing. That thing's a beast. It's sporty. I, I, when I drive that thing, I feel like I own where I live. I drive the street, I'm like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. So I have a left foot accelerator that it looks like this. It's, it's a decoy. It's a fake pedal. And there's a rod that's attached to it. It looks just like a gas pedal. But it doesn't do anything by itself. It's connected to a rod. That rod runs across my floorboard underneath my brake. And there's a prong that sits on top of your accelerator. And when I press that fake accelerator with my left foot, it engages your accelerator, and that's how I go. Does that make sense? So I gas and brake with my left foot. My right foot doesn't do anything. It's kind of different. You guys drive weird. I don't drive weird. You drive weird. And that's how I've ever known. That's how I was taught how to drive. I don't know how to drive with my right foot and break with my right foot. I would get lost. That's all I've ever known. Which brings me to this story, which will lead into this message. It is a true story, but some of it I may boast a little bit. And when I do, I'll tell you, because I don't want to be deceptive. But it makes it funny. So I am up here in Hubeck, and I'm speaking for the outdoor education program. And at the time, I lived in LA, and I was going to go home after I spoke. And I, my first vehicle was a Ford Ecoline van, because my parents purchased it for my electric wheelchair, because it has a lift in it. And so when I no longer needed the wheelchair, the lift stayed in the door, 
and it can still be used, but I never used it. My parents said, if you can ever drive, this van is yours. That's who we bought it for. Okay? They thought I would never drive, so they thought that was the same thing to say. Ha! <laughs> so I got so I got well enough that I was able to learn to drive. So they gave me the van. My van is parked up here, and, he like, and I was about ready to jump in it and go back home to LA. And the staff of OE, they're college students, and they have the weekend off. And they said, we want to go to Disneyland. And you're headed that way because it's where you live right now. We want to go to Disneyland for the weekend. And I said, I know why you want to go there with me. Because I have a disability. You don't have to wait in the lines. <laughs> I, I get your secrets. But I like Disneyland, so I was game. <laughs> so I said, okay. Here's the deal. I'm not driving back up to you, Blake. That's five hours out of my way. You have to bring some cars down. And we'll, we'll caravan all the way down to Anaheim to go to Disneyland. Okay, deal. And so that's what we did. There's three cars in this caravan. There's a Ford Explorer in the front. There's a Volkswagen Bug in the middle of us. And I bring it up the rear. We called my bag Goliath because it was a beast. And we're going through Bakersfield. Are anyone from Bakersfield? Okay, uh, man, I had a joke too. Okay, I, I, I respect you. <laughs> Actually, my joke was this. We, it is true. We were, we were in the fast lane because nothing's in Bakersfield, right? So we just want to get out of there. And, and we're, we're sinning because we're speeding because we want to go where? The happiest place on earth. Let's go. And so we're a little bit too close to each other's bumpers, the three of our guards. That was. And we're cruising along. I bring up the rear. There's one OE staff guy with me in the bathroom seat, and I have all the luggage. My man. And all of a sudden, the Ford Explorer and Lindas swerves right to go into the lane next to him. And then the Volkswagen bug follows. And I can see what they were doing, why they're moving out of the fast lane, because we we're, we're in cruise control. This is great. And when my friend moved her Volkswagen bug to the right, I immediately knew why they did that. There is a tire up ahead. And it's not on the ground laying there. It's rolling. It just got to slide from a trailer up above. And it's headed straight towards the middle of my van. If this was a void alley, it would be a strike. And the part of Bakersfield where we are on the freeway, if you, you, you know this road, there's a concrete divide, which means the shoulder next to the fast lane on the left of us is very narrow. I can't go left. 
To the right of me, there's a driver, another car, that's blocking my way so I can't move over right or we're going to get into a car wreck. Do you know what this means? We're going to have to be men and hit this thing. <laughs> and so I grip my steering wheel. I look at my friend in the passenger seat, and we did that man nod. And that's how he hits us dead center. I am not, this is not embellished at all. This has absolutely happened. I have people that can verify it. And we were going so fast that, that we got left off all four wheels. We didn't go that high, but we got left. And now we're flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And I don't know why I thought this. I mean, I was terrified, absolutely, because I have to land this thing. I don't know how it's going to go. But I don't know why. And I, I thought to myself, I don't know why this crossed my mind. I, and I thought, Disneyland, who needs Disneyland? This is the best ride of our lives. <laughs> but then I knew we had to land the man, Goliath. Praise God that we landed on all four wheels, because I could have easily twisted the steering wheel to make the wheels crooked. And if that happened, I'm sure we would have flipped. We landed back on all four wheels. We did our belts like Starsky and Hutch. And we pulled off into that narrow strip next to the concrete wall. We were walking a little bit of the fast lane traffic, but people understood and they just started to bypass us. My friends put their car reversed and they backed up to where we were. And my friend who was driving the Volkswagen bike, who was in the middle of our caravan, watched the whole thing in her rearview mirror. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but these are her words. Your van went so high that it went out of my rearview mirror sight. I couldn't see you anymore. <laughs> and we, there was a mechanic who was, he knew cars, so we went to a gas station, he got underneath the, the car, and he's like, I think you're good. You have a dented radiator? That's not bad, and it did a dented gas tank. That's it. What are you going to do? I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> and so he went. A two story. And now I'm a driver. A like major car thing. And I like that story because of where this message is going to land tonight. No better divot. When you look at the truth of Jesus Christ, so many times I feel like we as individuals want to swerve left of that truth to avoid it or go right of that truth to get away from it. When God's gospel truth, his message to you and me about his love for us is barely straight center for our lives. 
And it's coming at a fast pace. And it's the way we respond to this Lord Jesus Christ that makes the difference of everything that this weekend is about. It's about your truth. Truth be told. In the video this morning, there was a poignant quote in the spoken word video where he talks about your kingdom. And how he talks about your kingdom, whatever that kingdom is, God will allow for now. But one day, no matter who you are, if you believe God exists or if you don't, every day is still going to bow to this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, no matter who you are. That is truth. And our world today is so focused on swerving right of that truth and going left of it. They want to go around it. Why? Because they're trying to build their own kingdom. Holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside him. He wants to open up your eyes and my eyes with wonder. He wants to take us by the hand and march us out of Egypt. Not skedaddle or skip out of Egypt. He's marching us. What's his marching mean? It's a force. Because this is not our home. We're just temporary people here on this planet. This isn't what we were made for. We were made for a kingdom. We were made to be new creatures. We were made to be free. And it's truth, barreling down the freeways of our lives, that is trying to get our attention. Man, we have to slow down. We have to let that truth collide with us. It's not a disaster. It's freedom. You have your Bibles tonight, or if you don't, you can follow along for sure. I'm going to be in John 14 tonight, and I want to look at one of Jesus's I am statements. It's John, who is John? Yeah, the disciple who Jesus loved. And what does John do? He's so masterful at crafting the identity of who this Jesus is with seven I am statements. And we'll look at one of them tonight. And as we begin first one of chapter 14, we are entering in the middle of a dialogue that Jesus is having with Peter. And now this dialogue in verse 1 is to all his disciples in this moment. And it says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Stop. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Point number one. This declaration is welcoming hope. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Man, it's so easy to say that we believe in God. Everybody does. The Satan does. It says in Scripture. So what makes you different if you just believe in God? The devil does. It's, who do you say Jesus is? Believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because he is holy. There's no one like him. There is none beside him. And in this chapter 14 of John, my prayer is that he will open up our eyes with absolute wonder. Because it's truth, it's going straight to us, barely down the freeway of our souls. And he wants to connect with us. He wants to collide with us. Because he loves us so much, man. My dad wins the sporting that he spoke about. It really, Jason, you know that this morning when you dismissed us, it really impacted the, by the way I saw the Lord. If my earthly dad wasn't available to me, how in the world would this God of God be available to me? It, I really wrestled with the Lord. I can't understand the fatherhood of who this Lord wanted to be in my life because of my poor example of my dad. And then my stepdad enters in. <laughs> in my life when I was 12 years old, I was married to my mom for a year, a year and a half. And I woke up with this muscle nerve disease. God knew. God knew my mom needed help. God knew we needed a daddy. And here he was. My stepdad is amazing. He loves me and my sister and my mom so much. He's very quiet, very reserved. He's an introvert by upteen means. But when that man speaks a word, everybody stops and pays attention because what he's about to say is wisdom. He doesn't offer it much, not because he doesn't want to, but it's very discerning in the way he listens to the rhythm of life for us. God is that way to us, men. 
and he speaks to us in whispers. They're not audible. They're tuggings of hearts. It's pulling on strings of your soul. And he told his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. The Israelites in the Old Testament, if they're Egypt, they had traditions that they believed in God. But now Jesus is flipping the script. He's talking about why Israel had to go through Egypt. He's talking about why he is here in the present. Because he is it. He's the savior of the world. He's the one that God sent. I love that. And he's talking about this house with many rooms that he's prepared. I don't think it's referencing a mansion in the sky like we often picture. I think more of it's an eternal state. A being in the presence of God is holiness. It's our place. It's our rightful place, though we don't deserve it. It's a gift that's been given to us by Jesus Christ, died for us on the cross. And then love verse 4, it's, it's kind of humorous. And you know the way to where I'm going. And he goes on in verse 5, And Thomas, one of the disciples, says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Should I call Uber? Like, where are you? Where are you going? And I think Thomas was thinking about a, a temporal kingdom on earth. And he goes on to say, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him this powerful I am statement. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Point number two. This I am statement invites transformation. Why? Because it's spoken. We're first introduced to the I am in Exodus. We say that song about Exodus and him taking us by the hand and marching us out of Egypt into the promised land. That's in Exodus. What does the book of Exodus mean? It means the exit. Some of us need to exit from one life of hopelessness to that of freedom this weekend. Because that's where the promised land is. And he will take us by the hand to lead us there. He's our savior. He's our king. And he makes a bold statement here, Jesus does. So bold where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way. Nobody else can get you into my kingdom. No, nothing else can get you into heaven. 
No other belief system, no other ritualistic things that you do, nothing. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It makes you think of that rolling tire in Bakersfield. Barely down. Demonstrate for me. Oh, how I wanted to swerve right of that thing. Oh, how I wanted to go left of that thing. Because physically speaking, that would cause us harm. But in a spiritual perspective and analogy, that's what Jesus is saying in this I am statement. I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. And I like how the word the truth is in the middle of the way and the life. He's all that we need, man. The other I am statements in the book of John is I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door or the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I think I missed mine. I have the vine. Yes, thank you. That comes after this chapter. I have the true vine. Remember we talked about tending? I have the true vine. It's an analogy of a garden. And you stay connected to the vine, abiding in that vine. That's who, what the truth is. And then it speaks about God's spirit coming into your soul. It's called the Holy Spirit. And now he will be the guider. And he will convict you of things and remind you of things and teach you of things. Before this, at the end of chapter 13, like I mentioned at the beginning of this message, Jesus is talking to Peter. And the chapters before this, chapter 14, are intense. I mean, Jesus is about to be betrayed. There's arguments going on about who's the greatest. There's now Peter saying, I will follow you wherever you go. Why can't I follow you now? It's because Peter didn't know his own heart. It wasn't the time for Peter to follow. And then when we get to Thomas in verse 5, I like his attitude. It's humble. Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know this way that you're referring to. We We don't know what that points to. Show us. And in Scripture, Thomas is called the twin. What are twins? They're duplicates, right? Sometimes we are like Thomas. We just like him. And then Philip enters into this dialogue. And he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. This chapter is about hope. It's about transformation. Point number three. This conversation speaks about a relationship. 
Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, So is the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is convicting. Don't you know me, Philip? You're the one that ran in a rave to Nathaniel back in chapter 1 of John about how Jesus is the one that the prophets wrote about. And Nathaniel said, Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you were the one that told Nathaniel, come and see, come figure it out, come discover. And now you're at a point in your life with Jesus where he's asking you, you don't even know me, Philip. I've been with you for so long. How can you still not know me? And what that speaks to me about is our lives, believers. Those of you who say that you are a Christian, do you just say that you believe in God and believe that Jesus came to save you? Or do you really know him? Do you recognize who this Jesus is? Or is he just a figure that's going to save you one day? Why do we need the way? Why do we need this truth? Why do we need this life in Jesus? Because the Bible is so clear that sin is what separates us from God. In Romans 6, 23, it says the wages, the payment of our sin leads to death. But the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ and him alone. I like 2 Corinthians 5. I have to read these verses because there's so many I can't memorize them all at once. I have ADD. And then where he says this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Remember we talked about the word recreate this morning? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Remember we talked about the word this morning? God's word, how it's powerful and active. 
that knows our hearts and our intentions. Right out of the gate. John chapter 1, verse 1, talks about how Jesus is the Word, capital W-O-R-D. And how this Word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And his own people rejected him. And he's making the bold statement that he is I am. Remember in Exodus, there's that I am statement there in that book. You know what Jesus is claiming? Divinity. For all the fullness of God dwells in him. It says in Colossians 1.19. Jesus and God are one thing. One being. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. They act together with different functions. God the Father is the judge. Jesus Christ is the mediator for my sin and your sin. That makes him the only way, the only truth, and the only life that we have. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide and teach and remind and convict us of things. It's beautiful. That's the promised land. You don't have to be in Egypt anymore. That is it, men. Praise God. We need him because he saves us. Well, what, what does he save us from? Hell. Yeah, I said it. I believe in hell. And I believe that all of us are destined to go to that place of torment when we die. It exists. But we don't have to go there. Through Jesus Christ, we become a new creation. A new people. A new child. When Jesus walked the earth, he was God and man at the same time. I like how in John 14, whenever he speaks about who he is, he speaks directly to his identity. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. I don't do that so much with my life. You know what I say? I'm broken. I have a disability. I'm tarnished. I'm stained. I'm unlovable. I'm a failure. But with Jesus Christ, I don't need to say any of that. I am a child of God. I am free. I am whole. 
What identity are you focusing in tonight, man? Are you stuck in your Egypt? Are you stuck in a desert place that's dry and parched? Where you don't see any hope out the horizon? This gospel message will never take away your pain, but it will give it meaning. It will give it purpose. You don't have to function in an identity that's reckless. You get to proclaim who you are in Jesus Christ. And lastly, it goes on to say this in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And my faith is so weak. And there are times when I pray, and it don't mean the words that I'm speaking. And I'll never forget what my mom told me once. A wise woman. I was praying for something. And she goes, well, why do you keep praying for that? Like, because it's the thing to do. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you know what? You're defeated before you even speak it. So why pray about it? You don't believe it's going to exist. When you pray, pray like it's going to happen. And let God take control. God is not a bending machine. You don't always get what you want. You're always granted exactly what you need. He does best. Always. And my last point is this proclamation necessitates an unwavering faith. You ever read the book of Acts? It's crazy. Everything that the power of God did in that book. Why don't we see that power now? Ever wonder about that? I mean, there were miracles left and right that happened in the book of Acts. People proclaimed that it happened. And we don't see it today. Because we're too distracted by the toys that we have. by the possessions that we have. There's nothing wrong with any of what we have or own. Nothing at all. That's why I like to listen to stories of missionaries in foreign countries. Because they rely, after rely heavily on God's grace to be sufficient for what they need. And they always see miracles. Jesus loves you. 
this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Man, Jesus loves you like little kids. He's your Abba. He wants to be your father. He wants to be close to you. But you have to let him in. He doesn't force his way. He just makes himself known. What Egypt are you living in tonight? Would Jesus this week invite you out into that promised land? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Sin doesn't enter into heaven. I'm a sinner, and you are too. And whenever we point a finger at somebody else to judge them, we have three pointed back at us. We're no different. We're all sinners in need of grace. That is why Jesus came to earth to die for us on the cross. That is why he became flesh for us. To be a word that we would hold on to and cling to. And put our faith in open. And be transformed because of this good news. So I don't know where we're at tonight. But how's that truth of barely down towards the center of your soul tonight? What's that freeway of your life look like? Do you have to slow down? Do you have to stop? Do you have to consider who this Jesus is? If you're a believer tonight, are you a Philip that Jesus speaks to you? You've been with me so long. Don't you know me, Philip? Do you really know Jesus and all that he can do for you and be for you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, but believe also in Jesus, it says, because he is our way to the Father. He's our way to God. He's our way to the promised land. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for these men. And as we go off in our night together to desert, to fellowship, I pray for those men, Lord, who are just still unsure. I pray for those men who are convicted. I pray for those men who need to know you. And God, I ask that you would help us to understand completely what your gospel message looks like in our souls. Because holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. I pray that you would open up our eyes the rest of this weekend and fill them with absolute wonder 
about how much you love us and how much your gift of Jesus Christ to us to die on the cross paid for all our sin so that we can claim it as the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, these men are incredible. I've enjoyed them this weekend. Thank you for their souls and their hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.